destructive. His name is Robert Paulson. The first His rule of Fight Club is, is do not talk His about Fight Club. Second rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. Where'd you go, psycho boy? Welcome back to Cocktail Cinema, folks, your weekly movie review podcast. I am your first favorite bartender, your third favorite author, Josh Price. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Greg, and our producer, Shasti. Hello, hello. Hey, Josh. Hello, hello everyone. How we doing tonight, boys? Good, good. Well, yeah. Excellent. We are going to break rules one and two and talk about the 1999 cult film, Fight Club. The first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. <laughs> This was directed by the great David Fincher of Seven fame, and it had a budget of $63 million and a box office return of $101.2 million. It's so kind of a meager turnout at theaters, right. but uh, it, it did have some explosive success on the VHS and DVD releases, mm-hmm. which is <clears throat> kind of surprising considering there are some really big names attached to this movie, especially right. for 1999. Right, right, right. I'll jump right in. Um, Ed Norton's going to lend us our, our first role as a narrator, an embodiment of a narrator. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad Pitt is up next for as Tyler Durden. Tyler Bonham Carter. <laughs> nice one. Uh, Meatloaf and his beautiful boobies as Robert Polson and Jared Leto as Angel Face. Rounds it out. Pretty much everything else is... Yeah, everybody else is cursory. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Uh Solid cast, very solid right. cast, and I mean Ed Norton, Brad Pitt at the top of their top right, of their game. Right. Um, Helena Bonham Carter giving a great performance as always. Mm-hmm. The lovable meatloaf, but you know, <laughs> Bob, the uh, the subject matter of this movie kind of puts a bad taste in my mouth mm-hmm. sometimes, and I need to I need to wash that bad boy I see down. Where you're with going something. here? I see where we're going. So let's talk cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> so tonight, I was thinking, I'm wearing my pretentious shirt. We're talking about a pretentious movie. Let's have ourselves a pretentious drink. So, we have an amaretto old-fashioned in front of us. I love a good old-fashioned. So, in order to uh, to build this drink, you're going to want a rocks glass uh, with about half full of ice. You'll do an ounce and a half of bourbon. Tonight, we're working with Old Forester. Uh, Three quarters of an ounce of amaretto. Three dashes of those cherry bitters we love so much. And uh, a little bit of uh, maraschino cherry syrup to kind of cut the bite there. And I've got an orange here for a, uh, a garnish. Uh, normally, an old-fashioned would have a little bit of, of soda water added to kind of mm. give it a little bubble. Or like sugar cube. Yeah, kind of kind of cut it. But we wanted to be as sharp as possible. Mm. So we got to booze we forward. we to be toxic males. <laughs> That's, <laughs> right. That's, That's right. That's right. We're, we're channeling our, our inner the, toxicity. The Cheers, Salud. boys. So, even it's being delicious. you know mm-hmm. boost forward like it's that, good. it's it's still very well rounded, yeah, very and uh, it doesn't really need anything no. else. Um, so I've got an orange on the side. The boys have, have dropped theirs. Uh, you can do either. Most uh, most old fashions have it muddled, but we wanted to be you know visible. There you go. <laughs> that said, let's talk about some stuff that gives you the heebie-jeebies. Let's do it. So, Fight Club. Very uh, controversial even today. Mm-hmm. Um, you could almost say, especially today, considering you know, like the Proud Boys movement that we've got is, mm-hmm. is very much taking a, a page from Tyler's Tyler's book, um, Anarchist Cookbook. Yeah, <laughs> just all sorts of craziness. But underneath all of that dressing, 
we've got David Fincher and his film style. Mm. What was the first thing that stood out to you watching this movie with a critical eye? Lighting. Lighting 100% jumps out, doesn't jump out, I should say. It's very dark on the bottom half and bright on the top. And it's, it's, oh, it's ever moving, um, ever changing. The, mm-hmm. the geography of everything and how it's put together is very clear, mm-hmm. very straightforward. And I don't know if it's trying, they're trying to build a cage around you or trying to build a cage in his head, but we'll kind of. That's interesting. Get into that. It's interesting. I know, like, the, the lighting was an absolutely intentional choice. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's there's something they they did to the film in post production called silvering, which is is a process of of treating the film so that the the darker colors are a lot more rich. Mm-hmm. And so like Fincher did this in Seven a little bit to give those the 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 blacks and the browns more more depth. Right. Yeah. But in this movie, he uses it across the entire flick, just. Because what it does is it almost gives your darker colors a little bit of swirl. Yeah. And it makes everything look kind of dirty and gritty. You know what? That, that makes sense because, like, when Tyler's in, like, that red leather jacket, it pops it like pops. crazy. That green one he's wearing earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, Tyler's the only person that stands out in this yeah, whole right. movie. I mean, yeah. I mean, even uh, Marla's pretty much drobed in mm-hmm. black and that's pretty well there's only there's only three people in this whole flick who have real names. And it's, it's Marla, Bob. And Tyler. Mm. So all three of those characters pop in different ways. And Tyler is absolutely the most, like, in your face. Yeah, flamboyant. And yeah. Th- he's the leader. He's taking yeah. over that brain. Definitely. Definitely. Um, the the twist in this is... Don't worry, folks. We're adding those flies in post-production. F- yeah. And Chess and I having a fight club over here. <laughs> off camera. <laughs> we, uh... Yeah. So... This this movie is it brings a lot to the table. I mean, we're talking about domestic terrorism. We're talking about toxic masculinity. Um, a little bit of of almost neo Nazi uh, cultish mentality, yeah, yeah. Uh, and just the the deep abiding depression that people in our culture do experience on a regular mm-hmm, basis. Mm-hmm. It's not just Gen X as it's suggested in this movie, but like everybody kind of feels this way mm-hmm. at some point. Um, and it's, it's one of the things that drives so many people towards, uh, towards nihilism in their younger years is you've got all this, what used to be angst in your high school days. And now is just like angry monotony yeah. and you want to break free from it. Yeah. And, Tyler is the natural answer to all of that. And we've talked um, on different movies that we've covered um, about giving one man so much power and how Mm -hmm. group mentality can be so detrimental to the group and, you know, society in itself. And it keeps growing growing. People are more stupid and keep Mm -hmm. buying the bullshit. And I guess the whole reason for Fight Club is to kind of let your... Let that primitive kind of Mm -hmm. state come out and let yourself be the man or the woman Mm -hmm. that you would expect from yourself in a larger yeah. role people that are kind of taking the, the backseat to a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. are now being able to be that person that they wanted it it really puts on display um and you you don't realize it on the first the first watch because the, the first time you watch this movie you assume that they're blaming their mothers for the way they are mm. there were a generation of men raised by women but in reality we're talking about the failure of men to teach boys how to be right members of society Mm -hmm. so you've got the narrator who assumes so many different personalities 
when he's going to these therapy sessions or these group therapy sessions just so that he can feel like he's a part of something. Mm. And his he, he talks about how his father left him and abandoned him. Mm. Well, that man never taught him how to integrate himself into society. Right. So he's got this gaping hole that he doesn't know how to fill. Yep. And the only thing that fills it is this need for pain mm-hmm. and the, the need to inflict pain. And there's call outs later in the movie that suggest that as well, like how he was abused, this, that, and the other, mm-hmm. that go to link up his, you know, multi- multiple personality mm-hmm. syndrome. Um, it's it's a wild ride, you know what I mean? It, it, personally, I thought Marla was kind of in the in the same head there for a little, little while. I know that's some of... Wait, wait, you, like Marla, you think Marla's... Another like part, a figment of his imagination? Uh, no, another like personality? another personality, yeah. Okay. Exactly. I mean, I was leading that way for a while. Um, I know that a lot of the fan theories and stuff we've talked about before suggested mm-hmm. that as well. Um, but I didn't... I, I'm one of those people that don't like to watch trailers before the movies. Mm-hmm. I don't... I've seen this movie a million times before this, but I really watched it closely this time. And I think, like, the lighting that was used suggested that there was more than just Tyler and the narrator in this head. It's possible. Um, and the, possible. Just the scene exchange where she's walking out and Tyler's coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, even the... The stairs were uneven, so like we talked about mm-hmm. a little bit, like the Penrose situation. So it was like this, yeah, never-ending battle of every, mind yeah. Versus it, mind. It, it, they were then, never, and he even calls it out. Like Marla and and Tyler were never in the same room with mm. me. He's like, my parents used to pull the same stunt, yeah, which, which mm-hmm. also kind of pushes that theory mm-hmm. towards she's in his head. Which it's interesting because the story that the narrator tells about his father when they're in the bathroom is, "Oh, my dad left when we were six, mm-hmm. but." Then Tyler tells a story of, oh, I went to high school. My dad said I need to go to college. I went to college. My dad said I need to get a job. I think Tyler's story, given what little clues we get, like that scene with mm. Marla, about the narrator's parents, I think the narrator's lying that mm. his dad left. Yeah, I mean, I well, think his dad just mentally checked out. The, the whole reason for Tyler is that he's the protector. I mean, mm-hmm. no, normally on that kind of situation where somebody's battling abuse and they're, they're, they take on these different personalities, the first one is going to be... Either the protector Aggressive. or the sensitive one, because mm-hmm. so they can put their all of their crap into one corner. And yeah. Tyler is, is he's a protector. Well, and when you're when you are a, a, especially a child of of abuse or neglect, you manufacture these ideas of strength mm-hmm. and and manhood on your own, mm-hmm. and they're mostly influenced by the extremes you see in books and film, mm-hmm. which are intended to be archetypes of characters rather than examples for how to live your life. So when you've got a kid like the narrator who builds his whole identity or builds the identity of Tyler Mm. around guys like John McClane and and James Bond, you get this V from Vendetta without the ultimate realization Mm -hmm. that anarchy is a nightmare Mm -hmm. at the end. Mm -hmm. Like Tyler never realizes that anarchy is bad. It's yeah. He's a he lost thrives cause. On it, yeah, thrives that on that it. persona is a lost mm-hmm. cause, and you've got to grow out. Of I it. mean, selling, taking the fat from women and their liposuction and putting mm-hmm. it into soap and feeding their fat right back to them, you know, is is the most hilarious thing that you can yeah. ask for out of this film. You yeah, know? just like you were talking about how not, nothing's really off topic for this director, and he mm-hmm. kind of will make you a little squeamish, and that's disgusting. It's you know, gross. I mean? and he's but, it's not like they just but talk it's like about a funny, it but it's like a, almost comic relief at this point to this mm-hmm. movie, but. Spilling the bag, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so gross. Having having the 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 foresight though to bring a rug with them to put over the razor wire, like <laughs> this was the first time I noticed that. I'm like, oh damn, they thought about right. this. Definitely premeditated. Or he thought about it. Yep. Although it does put that moment into question, like, so he was just throwing bags <laughs> to his imaginary friend yeah, <laughs> over <right>. the fence. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, uh, Lordy. So I know this conversation feels a little disjointed, but there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. This whole story is disjointed. Yeah. You are more off kilter as an audience member than the narrator is. The narrator never has a clue what's going yeah. on. Like Edward Norton is lost. Mm-hmm. And that's his, the whole point of his character. He has no arc. Mm-hmm. Like even at the very end, his solution is to shoot himself mm-hmm. to, to try and kill Tyler. So he has no no arc with any sort of, of growth or solution other than uh, we're going to avoid the Nazi phrase and just mm-hmm. say an ultimate solution. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimate. <laughs> so I think part of that comes from what I like to call frat boy nihilism. And Tyler's I'm going to go on a tirade here. Tyler's whole character is built around this Jeff. idea of misunderstanding Nietzsche. So Nietzsche is the is 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 the I believe he was Russian, but I could be wrong, but or German, but he was the he was the guy who kind of introduced the world to the the concept of nihilism, and most people when they just give a cursory read to to his works, they assume that when Nietzsche talks about nothing mattering and there being no no cosmic purpose, that that's where it ends. So you've got all these fucking frat boys running around being like, you don't matter, no lives matter, nothing I do matters, so I can be a complete dick to you whenever I want because none of this has any meaning. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's used as an excuse, and when taken to its extreme, it becomes this kind of domestic terrorism. Whereas if you take Nietzsche to his ultimate conclusion, uh, he says, you know, God is dead and we have killed him, but you forget that he also talks about we have become God. So we've removed the religious purpose from our lives and the whole point of nihilism is that we now have the freedom and the power to give every moment purpose and that is tyler's biggest failing is he doesn't give things purpose he wants to ruin whatever purpose anybody gives to their lives by introducing chaos to every moment and it drives me nuts because i know people like this (laughs) (laughs) he's, he's he's feeding on the weak Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> he's letting them think that they have a purpose when he's taking it from them. Well, he's 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 not a, a true anarchist. Mm. He's a fascist <laughs> because your your way of living is wrong always. And it doesn't matter. Right. And you shouldn't listen to authority unless it's Tyler. Right. So, so yeah. he he's, <laughs> he's 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 he really is a, a fascist dictator mm. all the way through this flick. Like he's a cult. Le- he's 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 Jonestown mixed with Hitler. <laughs> Don't drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> right. <clears throat> he, he's, he's the worst. He's the worst. And I think the, the majority of people who, who read the book or watch this movie, they assume that's the message you're supposed to get out of it. And that's why you have such pent-up, aggressive boys latching on mm-hmm. to this story. It's like, oh, we're going to start a fight club. Right. We're going to get our aggressions out. We're going to fight society. It's yeah. like, no remake society in mm-hmm. your image absolutely like go out and make changes don't just go out and because in the even in the book tyler is a murderous fuckhead mm. in the movie they try to soften him up a little bit and make him in the sympathetic, movie he's but... cool he's cooler than fonzie he's you know he's got the good gear he's, mm-hmm. he's he talks smooth he's always got an answer for everything and they they do glamorize him for sure in this movie absolutely but and it's, I'm going to pull this back to filmmaking because you could you could make the argument that this is a character study. But really, this is Tyler's just a vehicle for this concept to be discussed, mm-hmm. like how we talk about how some some horror movies talk about racism or or nationalism using these these fantastic images and these scary mm-hmm. images. 
this movie takes one person and it just codifies everything about neo-nationalism and extremism into a single person and they're like this is what this the ultimate conclusion of this is let's talk about that mm -hmm. but it's rare when you hear people talking about fight club in that way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's usually aggressive like fuck yeah we're going to use this to amp up kind of right. kind of conversation i mean you use these these big words like nationalism and and, and you bring up nazi tendencies and stuff but it meant we're, we're still dealing with one mind here you mm -hmm. know what i mean so it's he's, he's painting this picture of this huge state and he's changing everything he's cha he's changing one person mm -hmm. you know what i mean and this one person is able to do well even if maybe the narrator is tyler i mean you're never there's so many questions to be asked in this movie you have to watch it over and over again to kind of even try to get a feel for it you know so it's just tough to go on those to think about that those broad span of topics that you're talking about and mm -hmm. then come back to realize we're talking about one guy's fucked up head yeah you know yeah. which is it's tough you know and it's it is it's an interesting and way to look at it the, the the mental health issue here is is another thing that's not discussed but which can be as scary as the monsters we talked about absolutely before, you know? absolutely because you don't like both tyler and the narrator are unreliable narrators mm -hmm. So I am inclined to think that Tyler is actually the real personality, the original mm -hmm. personality of the narrator. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jack or Sebastian or whatever Bob calls him, Cornelius, Cornelius are, yeah. is, is the what he puts forward to go out in society. Or I think Tyler's the real the real person. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, there's ways to think about it. Like I, I got up for interpretation across the whole board. I've, I went through the whole gamut last night. Yes, that was a little intoxicated had a few too many of these old fashions i suppose but <laughs> god these flies <laughs> but no i mean i thought about literally literally every aspect of this movie every aspect of what it could be I, there was even a point where i thought all of his fight club members were all his personalities for him to have like national yeah. outreach and stuff like that really kind of and then they they like they had the burn the burn in this on you the know? same so, hand. i mean I, a part of me thought that that was all the same person as well you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely an interpretation mm -hmm. um, and it's it's an interesting storytelling technique it is, yeah. to have to have that be somewhat open open ended. Like there's some people that are definitely not Tyler, mm -hmm. but, you know, you were talking you about Marla ask. earlier. Yeah. There's a there you, you can question it up until I think the last scene. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it really is a mind bender, you know, 22 years here now after its release. Mm -hmm. It's, right. it, there's a reason it's we're still talking about it, and a lot of that comes down to David Fincher. Number one, knowing how to adapt the story. Number two, being just a phenomenal filmmaker. Yeah, like I will not watch this movie again for a long time because <laughs> it messed with me. <laughs> right, but it's still worth watching. Yeah, the only thing that the ending. I mean, I used to be okay with the ending. The ending to me now does not make sense whatsoever. The big cascading. Building. I, I think that was all bullshit too. I think that's all mind treatment. The way mm -hmm. that he's able to shoot himself in the mouth comes mm -hmm. out the side, of, and he's still getting up talking to people. That's another reason why I think, I think that you're you're right with Tyler Durden being mm -hmm. number one because he's just walking around with a face his face blown off, like talking yeah. to people, like hey, yeah. sorry about everything, you know. So it's the ending seemed rushed and a little bit out of, out of place, but I guess the movie was out of place and it's kind of meant to be that way. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I didn't like the, the ending as much as I did in the past. I really thought it was out of place and. We've we've discussed a lot of uh, auteur directors, mm -hmm. and Fincher can definitely fall in that category. Um, but he's he's a little more. Uh, if 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 Christopher Nolan is 
uh, John Williams, if we're going to compare him to composers, John Williams, yeah. then uh, David Fincher is John Cage. He's just everything plays a part. It, the chaos, the silence right. plays a part. Right. Whereas where Nolan would make sure that every moment ties into the next mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. and it's, it's very meticulous, Fincher... He he leaves a lot of threads unpulled and untied, so that you have to discuss it. I have you a have question that was it. it's been bothering me the whole time. Um, the house, mm-hmm. what is that? Because I think because he talks about that there's nobody in thirty miles or whatever radius. All of a sudden he's got all these. He's got <clears throat> he's got an apartment here, apartment there, and then there's this giant wooden house that's dilapidated, uh, and people are in and out. And nobody knows who's there. It's only mm-hmm. them. They have people standing on the porch. It's like. Is that house the brain? Is you know what I mean? It's, it's um, uh, you could you can make that argument that it's symbolically, like the. It just the seemed whole weird brain. that all this was going on. People are standing out of their door. They have mm-hmm. basically a, a compound. Yeah, compound in, 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 a, in a building explosive industrial. <laughs> you know, I mean, district. it's just that seemed a little bit weary as well. Usually, when there's something like that, it's kind of again, it's up to your interpretation. But it, that was just wonky to me too. I mean, he has he's got like three or four different places. You know, uh, well, and I he's, about he's, this he's got two. The apartment. He's got the apartment that, where he blows up, and then he's well, got Greg the house. Greg was saying if, if he's Marla, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's, got he's got two apartment. apartments. Yeah, right. That's true. Um, but, yeah, it, it really comes down to those two or three places, depending mm-hmm. on how you feel about Marla. Yeah. Um, but that also displays the dichotomy between the two personalities because the, the apartment that gets blown up. He's blowing up his whole world. He's mm. blowing up his whole life. Right, right. And it's everything is in its place. Everything is the way mm. it should be. He almost had everything he wanted. After he bought all that. IKEA but he realized he didn't want it. Yeah. So he just destroyed it all. And the house is disheveled. It's falling apart. Just like his life is falling apart. Mm. His brain is falling apart. The house is nothing more than a, than a, uh, an allegory for his mental state. Mm. Because even though it gets fortified, it's still falling apart. Right. Yeah. Every every part of it. Okay. All right. I just wanted to ask that question to you because the house had me had me mind bottled for a little bit. You know, just... it's it's a fair question because there are a, there are a lot of stories where the house is like a living character. Yeah. Right. Um. Uh. Like it's gonna be weird, but the Japanese movie Houseu uh, is about a living house. a monster house. Yeah. <laughs> um. So totally fair. And and Fincher knows setting. Mm. You know he he. He moves from set to set mm. intentionally. And he was able to do, like we talked about before, with the geometry and stuff. And it's got mm-hmm. the stained glass windows. Everything's made of wood, so it's very vertical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just uh, that created more space, you know? I don't know. It kind of yeah. tightened and shrunk everything mm-hmm. that he was doing with his camera work and the lighting and the geometry. It just seemed to be breathing. The movie was taking breaths. Yeah, absolutely. And as someone who does deal with you know mental health issues, it was probably one of the most accurate depictions to how you feel when you're in that like I call them cycles when you're when I'm mm-hmm. in a depressive cycle everything is just disjointed and crumbling and falling apart and confusing and it feels utterly and cosmically chaotic mm-hmm. um, so watching this movie again really threw me for a loop because I had never thought about it that way before but Fincher captures, possibly accidentally, what it's like to be bipolar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though he was talking about disassociative identity disorder. Yeah, they all, they're all hand in hand. It's, yeah, they're, all, they're all cousins, yeah. you know. But it was, sure. I, I, watching this, it's like, holy shit, this is what my brain feels like. Mm-hmm. 
like I'm, I'm kind of cycling right now, so I feel chaotic, mm-hmm. and I feel like uh, at least he was giving Jared Leto to beat the right. shit out of. <laughs> I don't want to beat up Jared Leto. He's got a chance to play the Joker again. All right, well, <laughs> it's wild. Uh, so, I have a question for you now. Now that that comes to mind, yeah. So, uh, given how I felt about how the movie related to my mental state, mm-hmm. as someone who maybe isn't in that same boat, how did it speak to you? How did the chaos of the story speak to you? Well, you talked about cycles, and I think we all deal with it at some point or another. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're the most sane person in the world, you've felt these things before, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, How it spoke to me was just, I think it was kind of a wake-up call just to kind of, to see, to to realize, to know that there is that type of person out there, type of Mm -hmm. people that are trying to make this stuff happen. I mean, we've seen it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the acts of terror happen all the time. And yeah. it, you know, they're quiet here, and then they're then just there in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. It's just like kind of the mental psyche too. You get to a point where you explode. Mm-hmm. I know what's going on around me, and I tell my son too. He's he's young. I mean, he asked about monsters. If I said, "There's monsters out there, but they don't. They're not what what you think they are. They look like me and you. I need to be mm-hmm. careful." And yeah. I think that's a, a point to be taken from this movie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, given that, I think Ed Norton and Brad Pitt were the perfect options for this movie to play yeah. these these yeah. people. And, and Marla, I think it was perfectly casted. Um, Ed Norton's one of my all-time favorites. Um, but yeah, just taking that from, I think the actors are given enough space to be themselves and the director gave them mm-hmm. the necessary tools to do so. But, Absolutely. But I thought it brought mental illness into light to me. And yes, it was somewhat comical and grotesque and this, that, and the other, but it's, it's there, man. The <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Because like you and I have, have talked off mic about no real world applications, mm-hmm. but this is the first time it's come up in in film, mm-hmm. kind of like this. Right. So it was it was uh, an interesting uh, kind of microscoping right. of that topic. Um, but I've kind of worked through my notes. Uh, is there anything else that stuck out to you before we start talking tacos? No, I think uh, I think we're good. I mean, every, a lot of people have seen this movie, so they know mm-hmm. the deal. I mean, like we've we've kind of gone away from you know telling the whole story and just yeah. letting the people who've seen the movies come mm-hmm. with us on our our review. So I'm I'm good. Mikey, uh, anything anything that stood out to you? Um, yeah, I mean, I think um, mental illness aside, you know what I mean. Before you even see that the narrator has a split personality, mm-hmm. he's just dealing with everyday problems that people can deal with. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. where, when Tyler even says to him, "Don't let the things you own end up owning you." Yeah. When he's when he's saying you, he's talking about himself. Mm-hmm. He's telling him that I'm 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 going to end up owning you. But Ooh, yeah, but yeah. but it's it's the whole his obsession with furniture, mm-hmm. his yin yang table that he's mm-hmm. ordering from IKEA, <laughs> yeah, all the stuff that when yeah. Tyler blew up his apartment, mm-hmm. that he was devastated over losing. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like there's just that's the obvious thing you get and mm-hmm. watching it, you know, for the thirtieth time, you're trying to see who else is a figment yeah. of the narrator's imagination or taking a step away from that. But there's still that that everyday kind of dilemma that people yeah, have yeah. just with with uh being con- self-consumed you know what i mean mm-hmm. just going to a fucking job you hate yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? it's enough to do it to yeah. you you know it's it's the insomnia mm-hmm. you know what yeah. i mean it's doesn't take much sometimes just one little thing can yeah. trigger a whole downside well we were we i, I referenced nolan earlier and like mm-hmm. the, the nolan's joker you know one bad day can right. do it to somebody mm-hmm. right. and that's kind of what you see i mean all, all that aside i mean this was a rather heavy episode but it's a heavy movie um, there were some some filmmaking tricks like uh, you see Tyler Durden six times before he's introduced, mm. and I think three three of them 
are single frames of of him spliced into the movie, mm -hmm. and then the other times he's in the picture of the or the, he's in the commercial of the <laughs> <laughs> he's in the commercial with the waiters, and he's all the way to the right, kind of yeah. hidden. Um, he's he walks by in the background, I think at the airport, and then there's one other that I'm forgetting. Okay. But they they prime you mentally to in see the support Brad group, and then outside yeah, the support yeah, yeah, group, yeah. when you like he's watching Marlo walk away, and she, like the the camera focuses back to narrator, mm -hmm. and your your eyes. I, this is the first time I saw this one. But yeah, your eyes are always going to go back to Edward Norton, where it focuses. Yeah, and then he he pops up mm -hmm. where Marlo's character is out of focus. But. Yeah, so that that was a cool little little nod to you know both the the themes of the movie and the introduction of Tyler, um, and then some of the some of the more you know just random things that came out of the book uh like the the splicing of films and and put inputting you know a single frame of pornography into a, a kid's movie mm -hmm. just so the operating broad daylight yeah you know what i mean and i i will point out if you're watching this movie don't look for them because they're there <laughs> i looked for them and Very i found large them. i <laughs> found them and i am traumatized <laughs> it was the worst the i think it's the very last frame of the movie is yeah Okay. Not pretty. <laughs> and I watched this movie right before I went to work. So it was, it ruined my whole day. <laughs> ruined my whole day. Um, but, you know, that said, you know, we here at uh, Sippable Opinions, we like to rate our movies uh, on out of a taco rating rather than a tomato rating. So out of 100 tacos, Grego, what do you give Fight Club? You know, before this, before I watched it critically, I would have put this movie around an 89 or so. I, it's dropping off a few points for me. Um, a few things that I didn't like there as far as the ending goes. Still a must-watch movie. Uh, I'm going 87 with this one. Excellent. Excellent. Shasti? I'll give it, um, I'm going to give Fight Club an 84. I feel mm -hmm. like first time I saw it, I probably would have rated it the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, love the movie. It's great. I, I think we're all kind of in agreement because I, I think before this watch through, I probably would have put it, you know, possibly even above 90. Mm. I know when I first watched it, I thought it was one of the be best yeah, films I've made. Be <laughs> but watching it critically and really soaking in the messages mm. that are in this flick, yeah. uh, I have to give it an 86. It's a must watch, but I don't really recommend it. It's a very <laughs> it's painful a, movie a, to watch. It's a slippery slope. It's a very rough movie to watch and it can mess you up emotionally. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's still a... Fincher did a great job with it. Uh, so we got an 87, an 84, and an 86. We got an average of 85 and a half. What, uh, what's the Rotten Tomatoes? It's pretty close. No kidding. I believe it. I believe it's it. A, it's an audience score right there. It's, so it's, we got an audience score of 96 and, and a... Bunch of Critics score I think this is pretty much exactly to, what we're talking yeah, about. Like yeah. 96 when we watched it the first time, back True. down to like 79, and mm -hmm. we're trying to call it in the middle. So yeah, I, I agree. Well, with and I mean, think about who really loves this movie. Mm -hmm. if they're gonna, they're gonna like people that really like this movie. They're giving it a hundred every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas the critics, like us, are forced to watch it mm -hmm. this way. Kind of seeing it for what it is. The critics with a refined palate. <laughs> that said, um, wherever you're listening to or watching this, uh, drop us a comment and let us know what you how you score this movie. Right. How do you score Fight Club? What do you think about it? Uh, we'd love to hear what you've got to say. Love it. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and hit that like button, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already, and the bell notification Ding. button so that you can be notified every time we drop a new uh, a new project or a new video. Um. We do another podcast called The Foscast, where Grego here interviews uh, 
uniquely qualified guests. Mm-hmm. We have a lot and of fun. Yeah, we some got of them some are a little bit lighter than others, others, but uh, it's always always a great pleasure to have my guests on and to share their stories. So stay tuned. Yeah, we're hoping to do some uh, some cross promotion with some of those upcoming guests here real soon. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. Um, if you would like to support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month, you can get exclusive access to everything on our Patreon, which includes early access to all of our episodes, uh, an exclusive show we call The Sip, where usually we talk about a little bit of history and just apply it to our daily lives, but, you know, we just, it's our Suburbanite Insight Podcast. How, how is life affected here in the suburbs? Um, and, you know, exclusive access to pilots to, to our shows that you cannot get anywhere else. You'll have full access to our entire library. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. That said, Greg, Shasti, thank you for being here with me. Thank you, Josh. I love our I love our recording nights. Amen. Um, and to the audience, we love spending this time with you. We do it all for you. We appreciate you taking the time to be with us. And you know, for this week, we just gotta say goodbye. Don't talk about Fight Club. Things you own end up owning you.